everybody, I'm Theo Fleury, and you're listening to the Blues Hockey Podcast. Chris this week, but once again, we're doing our division previews. So we're going to do the central. So obviously the central, we always do separate than the actual blues breakdown. And we have a big blues breakdown that will be coming up in a day or two. So this will be out, uh, should be Wednesday, the 13th. And our preview will be out Friday, right before the blues game. So, but you're going to get a breakdown of the central. So a little bit of the blues opponents and we brought in an expert. So that's what we decided to do this year because instead of me and Chris trying to ramble on about everybody we know, Let's just do uh, experts. So our good friend Isha over at the uh, Soda Pod decided to join us. So Isha, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I don't know if I if you should call me an expert though, because I didn't even have the Montreal Canadiens last year making the playoffs. But uh, hey, <laughs> I, I appreciate most, jumping I on. I think most people did. I think most people <laughs> didn't. So uh, we'll uh, yeah. So I think it's one of the teams that just hey. I didn't expect the Blues to somehow make it all the way to 2019, and they didn't make the playoffs. You know, that's true. Out of nowhere. So. That's like true. I said, I we had we we look back on ours and we did a podcast the third the one right before the all star game that year, so right in the middle end of January. Oh, okay, and we literally were debating the lose for Hughes. <laughs> we were debating like which way should we go, like oh, we won a couple, so maybe we should consider maybe this like going for Hughes, and uh, it worked out, so we'll take it. Oh, yeah. so <laughs> so obviously. So obviously we got a bunch of teams in the central, a new team to the central this year. So the Arizona Coyotes uh, move over from the Pacific. Um, they're, uh, I say, I say glorified AHL team, but that's kind of a, that's being polite, but we'll get into all the teams right now. So um, first off, I always like to get a little background on the host or my co-host, but my guest at least for this week. So Isha, obviously you do the soda pod, which obviously a Minnesota wild centric you know, and a uh, podcast, but also you're also a Vancouver uh, Canucks fan. Yeah. Van- Vancouver, that that's my home team. I cover the wild and I love, I love the Minnesota hockey market and that extends out- outside the wild too. I've been following so much college hockey with all their D one teams. Their high school hockey is like, it's like what junior hockey is in Canada for Minnesotans. Um, the, we you know the white caps, the women's hockey team, it has an unbelievable following too. So it's like, Minnesota, it is the state of hockey. So I've been just, I've fallen in love and immersed myself within that. But at the end of the day, like you highlighted, I'm from the West Coast, um, Vancouver Island. So the Canucks, the Canucks are my team. And yeah, they're, they're, they're an interesting case this year. They're in a a very, um, a very watered down Pacific division. So I I think that they could, they'll, they'll probably feed off the California teams and get some points in the regular season depending on who they face in the playoffs though. I think we know who the, who the top, the top dogs are in the Pacific. I mean, it's only really two in like arguably Edmonton and then Vegas. Yeah. That'd be the Vegas will be the one that's uh, Vegas and Colorado. So we'll talk about Colorado, obviously being kind of the central version of being, uh, you know, the powerhouse team, which uh, yeah, they're, they're built, but I think this year, last year, I always thought there was their kind of chance because the way they are built this year, they still got a very good team. 
but uh, we'll get into that when we get into Arizona. So, um, so being a Van- being a Vancouver Canucks fan, so I always ask people this question: Who is your favorite all time favorite Vancouver Canuck? Ooh, and then who would is... be your favorite on the current roster? So you can do. That's a great question. Um, past, I mean, I think the <laughs> usually people would throw like a Linden or a Burry, and I love both of those guys to bits. But for me, it's it's Rick Rippin, um, a lesser known name, one of the smallest, like f- physically, one of the smallest enforcers to ever play at the NHL level, and he was arguably the most feared at his size. The guy could box like no one I've ever seen on an on and off the ice. I mean, he trained in boxing too. Um, from all the people who I, I know have either played with him when he was growing up in the WHL or in Manitoba. I mean, this guy was an absolute gamer. I mean, the fight against Cam Jansen is honestly one of the best hockey fights I've ever seen. The guy would go after all the heavyweights. He actually had some skill. He was a little water bug out there. He knew his role at the NHL level though. And it's, it's unfortunate that, um, that he lost his battle with, you know, mental, mental illness and depression. And, you know, took his own life um, right, actually right when the Winnipeg Jets signed him to a deal, I believe in their second year. Uh, Kevin Bieksa, former Vancouver Canuck and Anaheim uh, Ducks, now he's a star there on Sportsnet. He he speaks so highly of Rick Rippin too, as um, when he was a young guy, he lived in his house. I, I believe, I don't know if Burrow, or sorry, I don't know if Bieksa played on, in Manitoba with Rick Rippin, but definitely was familiar with his development and whatnot. And yeah, man, he's just he's just one of those heart and soul players that I'll always love. Uh, you know, rest in peace. And yeah, one last thing is on Rick Rippin too that I just actually saw recently. I was just went down the YouTube wormhole, and I saw a series of videos on people in Europe, uh, England, Ireland, Scotland, watching not just NHL fight videos and then filming their reactions, but watching Rick Rippin fight videos in particular. And I mean, their reaction speaks for itself. This guy's a legend. No, that's awesome. Yeah. The fight with Cam Jansen is one of those where I think even he's come out and said that's one of his, you know, you know, top memorable battles that he had. And, you know, if you listen to the, I think it's the Cam and Strick podcast, he's talked about it on there. So, uh, I know St. Louis. I mean, he beat Cam up Brandon Jansen. Press twice too. So, I mean, Brandon Press sucks. So, I, there I you go. So, it works out. So, yeah. So, even yeah. better. <laughs> but yeah, because we're looking back. So, uh, also, Blues have a little bit of history, obviously, the Vancouver. So, um, the infamous trade that I think derailed the Blue Stanley Cup that year, where uh, they acquired Garth Butcher and uh, Dan Quinn, which you can make an argument however you want, but the team was rolling. And, uh, you know, Ron Cron thought the team needed some toughness. And that's why they, was, the main target with Garth, was Garth Butcher. Yeah. Dan Quinn was kind of like, you know, put into who, obviously they traded, but getting rid of guys like Jeff Cortnall uh, and, and, and through a mess and stuff like that really messed up the Ford combination. So unfortunately he basically messed up one to try and fix another and it kind of derailed that team. And then it was never really kind of got close until the early two thousands when they got the pronger Brett Hall uh, McKinnis era. And that was another close one, but um, yeah. So Vancouver's had a couple really close shots Obviously, some really good teams went to Game Seven, you know, handful, you know, a while ago. Which it, I was there. I was downtown. I saw. I saw some stuff. I didn't. I got the hell out as soon <laughs> as I could. But man, what, what was crazy, and I won't get into it too much because I know we got to talk uh, current hockey. But one one quick little anecdote is I went down there and I went, you know, to the the events, the watch parties, and whatever. But I actually ended up watching the entire game at this like. I don't, it was either like a little like Korean bubble tea place or like some, some random little hole in the wall near Rogers arena. 
and they didn't even have the game on. The guy barely spoke any English. We're like, yo, can you put the hockey game on? He's like, what game? We're like, the game, man, throw it on. So we had a very like chill environment to watch the game. And, and then when we left, when I think it was like five minutes before the game was over, we knew it was over. Boston, Big Z was about to lift that cup uh, on Vancouver soil. We, we exited that uh, little establishment, just started walking around, you know, the, the big Robson Street, the big stretch there, downtown core Vancouver. And it went from like, people crying and hugging each other. We'll get them next year, blah, blah, blah. To one asshole lighting a cop car on fire two blocks away from me. And then it just, boom. Yeah, you know, the people who- wall there. Exactly. And there were a lot of people who came down there to riot, not to celebrate a win or, or um, you know, or cry with their peers in a loss. I, I remember, I, I live on Vancouver Island. Um, so it's about a two hour ferry ride back home for me. So just getting to the ferry terminal and escaping downtown was, was insane. And we eventually flagged a, like a, a van cab. And I swear, like, I will never forget this image of like three people exiting the cabs, pulling baseball bats out of their bag, pulling on the balaclavas and then just yelling and running down the road. And I was Jesus. just, I looked at the cab driver and I was like, Horseshoe Bay Terminal Ferry. And he's like, thank God, let's get out of here. And so I unfortunately had some friends who were caught up in it. Uh, not m- too many major injuries, but like, That's you know, good. still it was, it was, it was, it was intense. Yeah, it was, it was intense. interesting uh, images that came out uh, during that time. So well, it was yeah. good that you weren't I in talked the middle to Dan of Hamus. I talked to Dan Hamus too. And he said it was nuts because like they had this little room prepared where there was like still confetti and stuff like hung up because they didn't win, you know? And it was yeah. like, they just had to awkwardly stay in this room with whatever family was there and just kind of sulk themselves. And he's like, it was just, it was just the worst possible outcome. Cause we weren't even allowed to leave the arena until like, you know, 11, maybe even midnight. Oh, geez. Yeah. That is a, that's a tough go there. So we're going to talk about, um, well, the, real quick. So the other part was current, uh, Vancouver oh, yes. player. Current. Um, I love uh, I, I love Quinn Hughes. I think that guy is one of the best skaters I've seen in a very, very long time. And for me, I really like the defensive position, whether it's a stay at home defenseman. I can I can watch them and really appreciate and pick up on all the little things they do. Like Shea Weber is my favorite hockey player of all time. Mm-hmm. So I really like those little nuances of, of defense. He is so unique in that, like, I, I usually go for the and like watching the two-way defenseman, like, you know, Victor Hedman's unbelievable as well. But the way that this guy plays that position is unlike anything that I've, I've seen in my lifetime. Now, there's a lot of comparables. And sure, he may not play defense as much as we would like him to do so, but that's not his game. And he kind of, he controls the ice and um, he's more of like a chess master out there than like, you know, a Lemieux or, or some other, like Shea Weber on the back end, who is like a dominant force bringing the puck up the ice. He's just, he just a water bug controls the whole, the whole outcome. So I really, really enjoy watching Quinn Hughes play. Yeah. Blues found that out in the bubble, uh, yep. how good Quinn Hughes <laughs> was. So uh, yeah, Quinn Hughes and uh, yeah, life from Elias Pedersen to uh, Horvat, a, a solid core that has started in Vancouver and it got two yeah. of them signed now. So they're locked up. So that's, that's definitely a good thing. So Vancouver, I think is on their way uh, to a, you know, I say relevance, but being a, somebody that's talked about on a night in night out basis as a threat, kind of kind of like Colorado, I think. I think they have the makings. They just got to get a couple of pieces, and they'll be in really good shape. I think I really yeah. like this, what they've done up there. This Nils Hoglander kid um, for Vancouver, he's a smaller guy, but plays like he's six five, two hundred and eighty pounds. Like this okay. guy is the real deal. So keep an eye out for him. Whether he becomes like a point scorer or not in the National Hockey League, I mean. He did very, very well in his rookie season last year with like no pieces around him. I've never seen such a small guy battle so hard 
you know, on the boards, you know, and, and not get knocked down uh, respectfully. So Nils Hoglander is going to be something I think as well. Cool. So, all right, let's get into all the central teams real quick. And then at the end, we're going to kind of end it up with Minnesota wild and blues talk at the very end. So, Let's go in like kind of a little bit alphabetical order here. So the first one is the Arizona Coyotes. We kind of talked about them. Uh, former Blues uh, front office member Bill Armstrong takes over down there and uh, had a task in front of him after, you know, basically, you know, Taylor Hall thing didn't really work out. And, you know, having Phil Kessel there, I guess it hasn't really worked out the way they hoped. I mean, he's done pretty decent, but I think leading them to where they wanted to get it, really didn't get there. So a lot of guys in and out here compared to a lot of other teams. So in they brought in, uh, let's see, Anton Strawman, Louis Erickson, uh, Antron Roussel, Jay Beagle, which you know about well about those guys. Uh, and Ryan Dezingle was a late signing by them. And Shane Gosper was another kind of basically take him away from us so we can take his cap hit. But they also had a lot of guys go out. So their goaltending is completely out now. So Darcy Kemper, Antti Ranta, which I thought was – Honestly, one Solid. of the best goaltending yeah. duos in the central, like combined, I think, when they both were healthy. When both are healthy, they were great. Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson, longtime member back there. Nicholas Jomerson, longtime, uh, you know, Blackhawk mostly as well, the Blues fans and remember him as. Uh, Golgoski's out, and also Connor Garland and uh, John Hayden. So, the, obviously, the big one is Ekman Larson and Connor Garland out. So, basically, you can call, say, their best defenseman and possibly their best forward out to Vancouver for you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but a lot of spare parts, in my opinion, it was mostly for the oh, draft yeah. picks. It looks like, but, uh, but a lot of spare parts. <laughs> Eagle to death, ECHL champion, AHL champion, NHL Stanley cup champion, but his best years are behind him. <laughs> yeah. So they basically like Roussel, a lot of expiring contracts too. Erickson's near the end of his contract. Beagle and Roussel are on their last years. A lot of Dude, money. Pull up cap friendly. Like I'd say 90% of the team's contracts are up next year. It's actually, I've never seen, you know, a cap friendly page look like the Arizona Coyotes. It's insane. Yeah. So they, Bill Armstrong was very, uh, he's working to basically get some vets in and nobody wants in their last year, pay them, get them out, accumulate draft picks. And as blues fans know, Bill Armstrong does a pretty decent job of drafting guys. Uh, so he is, that's his basically, blueprint for this team uh let's just add is this team is going to be the doormat of the central i think you can agree with me on that one yes i i agree if they're still in the pacific i mean they could battle it out with california and i mean best best team wins but no in the central i i can't imagine that they're even gonna compete yeah so they're the year that hopefully your team like the blues or minnesota hopefully you don't leave easy point i say quote unquote easy points the Blues have struggled against that team for some reason. I don't know why. There's years where it was an automatic two points. If you look back um, from 2015 to 2020, the Blues were something like 16-4-3 and three against them. They were obscene. Like It was almost an automatic win going there, and now it's kind of turned into the lately it was the other way around. So last year they were 4-5. and five. They had an epic uh, – seven game series due to all the COVID protocols last year, basically battle. So like I said, Arizona probably gonna be the doormat. So let's move on to, I say maybe the blues longtime rival Chicago Blackhawks. So they've done a lot of work to not be a bottom team. So they have really worked hard and they got Marc-Andre Fleury not to retire after making the trade for him. 
Uh, they acquire uh, Seth Jones from the Columbus Blue Jackets for a bunch of different young players and picks. They signed Jake McCabe. They also got Caleb Jones, Seth Jones' brother, from Edmonton. And they get Tyler Johnson as well. Uh, longtime defenseman Duncan Keith is out. Uh, Nikita Zadarov's out. Uh, Pius Suter is the only forward of note. But if you, I'll see if you agree with me here. The big news of them probably is getting Jonathan Taves back for a full well, and, and Kirby Doc, right? I mean, he barely played last year too. So um, yeah, so you're getting two guys, two two centermen. You're one two punch basically. Yeah. Your future, hopefully, all star in Kirby Doc and your perennial captain, two best one of the best two way centers in the game. I hate to say it, but when he's healthy, that's what he is. I mean, plain and simple. Guys won multiple cups. Um, captain Sirius is a uh, somebody to be you know, reckoned with, and they've tried to put a lot of vets around this year. So do you like the moves that they did here, uh, trying to show up the goaltending defense? I do. I mean, they had to do something to, you know, get better, right? Um, a lot of people are so critical on Seth Jones. And look, I look at the contract, I'm like, okay, yeah, fair, fair enough. But like, I think the guy gets way too much flack. I think from a purely analytic point of view, sure, maybe he's not a darling, but like, come on, this guy's been a star in the league for a reason. And so I don't put all my chips in just one basket. I think he'll, he'll be fine. Like he'll, he'll be a solid, a solid piece for them. And as they're turning the page on veteran guys, I mean, you need pieces, whether it works out or not, whether you overpay for them or not, you got to bring them in and see how, how it meshes. I think the Blackhawks took a step forward where they finished in the central. I don't really know because it's, it's arguably the tightest division, um, but they're definitely going to be able to get points against the Predators, the Blues, the Jets, the Stars, the Wild, of course, the Coyotes. Not easily, but I, I think they're going to be in those games. Oh, yeah. The, I think definitely the competitive level is going up a notch this year for them. Uh, the main thing is, that, like, I've always liked and I've never understood why teams like Pittsburgh and Vegas decide to get rid of Marc-Andre Fleury. It's a guy who's always been a proven winner, a team player. I mean, I know a lot of uh, Vegas fans were very upset that he yeah. got traded over Lenair. Um, but I get it. He's an older guy with $7 million contract, so I get it. But he still looks sharp. Obviously, won the win in the Vesna for the first time last year. So and maybe uh, this is his swan song. Maybe he's like, look, I'm going out on top with the Blackhawks, with an original six team, and I'm going to go not, – not that he ever was reserved in Vegas because he looked outstanding there – um, but, but maybe he just has that extra, that extra push this year, knowing that like, this could be my last year. I want to put it all on the line. Yeah. So and that could be scary, right? Yeah, this it, is professional sports. It's not, it's not just analytics. It's not just eye tests. It's, it's, it's all encompassing, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, if you look on the preseason, there's a couple of highlight reel saves he had and kind of, you know, pretty, looks pretty good still if or his age and whatever you want to say. If he stays healthy, I think that's definitely a key to their season. I mean, we talked about Kate, uh, Taves being kind of the, you know, coming back and being healthy. But I think if you get somebody like a very good Marc-Andre Fleury, like he was even 90% of what he was last year, they have a good shot of maybe sneaking into that wild card position this year. For yeah, sure. I mean, Kubalik's a hell of a player too. If he can, you know, step up from his so little sophomore slump, I mean, this guy's going to be something. He's wicked talented, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he plays with Kane, so, I mean, that that helps. That'll definitely help. And getting, like I said, getting Taves and Doc back to feed oh, yeah. those guys the puck is going to help out. Like, people were surprised they let guys like Pius Suter go, but remember, they also have uh, at Dylan Strom, they have yep. – uh, and they, they have to get Doc and Taze back. That's three centers right there. That's pretty, pretty good. And there's Absolutely. talk, I think today came out that Dylan Strom might be on the trade block, that they're so deep at center right now. So Call that's something to look out for. 
Call the wild. They need some centers. <laughs> that's a uh, speaking of a team that might need centers was uh, Colorado Avalanche. The last year, the big deal was um, Nazem Kadri uh, being Nazem Kadri and knocking out Justin Falk out of the playoffs and potentially costing his team another playoff series. Um, we'll see if that's the case this year. He still thinks he still came out and said he didn't think the hit was that bad. Yeah, sure. Kadri's gonna Kadri. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's, that's all we we're gonna say about that. But only a couple of really guys they brought in. And the big one is the goaltender is Darcy Kemper. Um, it looks like he's gonna get his chance to shine now. A guy who's kind of been, you know, in NHL circles, considered a very good goalie, but obviously on a very bad team. Um, now he gets the chance to be on potentially the best team and see what how he can deal with a defense that's very good. I mean, and a team that scores quite a bit. So Darcy Kemper is the big addition. Uh, but they did lose quite a bit. The surprising one was obviously Phil Grubauer, which is why Darcy Kemper basically got yeah. had to get acquired. Uh, Phil Grubauer goes to Seattle, surprisingly, during free agency. The trading of Ryan Graves for some cap space. Uh, the Blues obviously acquired uh, Brandon Saad uh, on their end, and uh, Don Squay was lost in the expansion draft. So you look at everything, and everybody picks – pretty much everybody picks Colorado to de- definitely win the Central and or the Cup. They have the makings of a Stanley Cup team. So is it, once again, Stanley Cup or bust for the Colorado Avalanche? I mean, at this at this stage, I think that should should be their goal. Like, this this is what we're, – we're not looking to – yeah, sure, we'll, we'll probably win the Central. But I think that the main goal is is Stanley Cup because I think that the Central is going to be a tough, tough division. Do, do I think they're going to finish on top? Absolutely. But could they fall to second? And you know, one of the like the could the Stars, Blues, Jets even, you know, get that first spot? Maybe, maybe it's like I said, it's a crazy division. But they better have their sights set on a Stanley Cup because the window is only going to be open so long until they have to retool things, right? Like McKinnon's there to stay, but when he has to get paid, you better believe he's going to break their bank. 100%, right? He's been vocal oh, yeah. about that. Um, and with his with his line mates taking, you know. I, I guess a hometown discount a little bit. They probably could have gotten more um, in a, in a scenario where the team isn't as stacked. I think they, they kind of have to go for it. Now I don't think that they should let that pressure get to them because the proof is in the pudding. They're, they're one of the fastest teams they're one of the most dominant teams when it comes to puck control and things like that. So all the tools are there. Um, I am very interested to see how Darcy Kemper plays just because uh, I have a buddy, a good Saskatchewan boy. I got a buddy who played junior hockey with him and uh, still really good friends with the family. And he's been teasing him saying like, what's with you and the the freaking wild man. It doesn't matter if you're on the team on the Minnesota wild or playing against them. He just can't seem to win at the Excel energy center. So we're, he was teasing him a little bit about that. And I think that, you know, that's actually a good point for the amount of times that they're going to have to play the wild. I mean, Kemper's going to have to figure out how to win in that building. <laughs> yeah, because they also lost their backup, uh, Frank Coors, who I think is a pretty good backup who just can't stay healthy, and he's out for about yeah. a month. So he, so they're once again down to their third-string goalie, which derailed them a few years ago inside the bubble for trying to win the Cup. So they're the goaltending has always been an issue with them and guys staying healthy. They've had good goaltending. It's just a matter of keeping them healthy. And then, unfortunately, when you're down to your third stringer, it's kind of hard to – you know, you try to score, try to score six or seven goals as much as you can, and just night in and night out, that's going to be hard to do. So, we think yeah. I still think Dallas is probably going to be. I see that Dallas is me. Colorado is probably going to be your top team this year, and the team the you know on top of the mountain for sure for at least this season, and might be for the near future because pretty Joe Sackick has done an excellent job of building that team. 
Oh, 100%. You know, went from people like questioning him when they had their, their absolute dumpster year with their like 13 wins or whatever it was, something like that. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, now everyone's praising him, which they should. The one thing about Colorado they could do to could do as well, take the, the Tampa Bay approach this year, if you want to put it that way, is maybe if they have a guy who's injured during the regular season, instead of him missing three games as per the doctor maybe that maybe they extend that to six and just make sure that everyone's properly healed no nagging injuries going into the playoffs so they really can you know have their sights on, on lord stanley maybe, yeah. maybe they take that approach because i imagine tampa's going to do that this year too they got they have nothing to lose as far as dominating in the regular season as long as they make the playoffs they're going for they're fine three. oh yeah they're gonna they're gonna do their best and hopefully uh, we'll see if a uh, hometown boy uh, slash uh floor hockey legend pat maroon gets his oh fourth cup so he has three right he's now. he's already got the patrick like i can't i can't that would be unbelievable man i i want to see it i really do yeah so it's really interesting so do you know our uh pat maroon story no i don't i mean so, i know he's a st louis uh so, native but i don't know much more about so st louis native so uh my co-host chris and i about uh, it, was, it was when he was on edmonton pat maroon was on edmonton okay. uh there was a there was a little floor hockey league at a local salvation army that was a uh, you know We've been playing for a couple of seasons now. Nice. And uh, it, was, it was a ton of fun. And we heard about this team that had a bunch of like semi-pro roller hockey players. And <laughs> hit the and the brother, was, it was Phil, Phil Maroon, who was Pat Maroon's brother, was on the team. So we're like, oh, that's cool. And then there was rumors that he actually played on the team. And I was like, no way. A guy with yeah. an NHL contract is not going to screw that up <laughs> playing floor hockey. No kidding. We show up and there's Pat Maroon warming up against us. And I'm just like, no this is way. not going to be good. So they managed to... Oh, roll us bad! Like I was gonna say, did you block any of his shots? <laughs> uh, man, it's it was a uh, like a basketball like basically size like um court. He was at the far end and was rifling shots against my buddy, and then my buddy was like struggling to like save him. So we play the playing the game, and there's like two minutes, like maybe a minute left in the second period, and we're down eight nothing. And if we're if the score holds, the rule is. You're, you know, obviously, gold mercy rule. We're done. He turns around and fires a shot on his own goalie and scores, oh, so they can keep playing. That's amazing! What so, a beauty! So we turn around and he start, and they are, and then they pour it on, and they're beating the crap out of us. <laughs> and we're barely even getting shots on their goalie to the point where it's getting to be ridiculous. So he winds up in like from the top of like the key, like the half court, basically, and just rifles a slap shot past my buddy playing goal and i'm on the like bench area so i yelled to my buddy just because i'm just like whatever at this point i say hey you get to put that on your resume and it's like <laughs> talking to my buddy not in remotely pat room pat room thought i was talking to him comes gets in my face starts yelling at me you want to he's like you want to go bro you want to f and go and i'm like obviously he's a big man so i'm just like uh no and i'm just and a couple of those guys pull him away or whatever and he's just like heated the rest of the game that we shake hands after the game, and, and he doesn't even shake anybody's hand. He's kind of like stewing in the corner, like trying to calm down. I walk up to him, like, wasn't trying to offend you. I was talking to my buddy. Sorry. Just shook his hand. He's like, yeah, okay, and just left. Jeez. Yeah. So, so we always call him floor hockey legend Pat Maroon. So, um, that's funny. During the Stanley Cup parade, he obviously has the cup, and his family's with him, and his brother's with him. So, and they're obviously had a lot, quite a bit of Bud Lights already. So we uh we yell uh their their floor hockey name was them called the Mississippi Mud Snakes. Nice. So we start yelling Mud Snakes for life. We start chanting it like three of us who knew who he was. His brother sees us. 
and drunkenly runs over and jumps into us into the crowd and he's like and like hugging us and he's yelling for Pat to come over with the cup but then he was on the other side didn't hear him so we were like hoping he would bring the cup over <sighs> but they had to keep things moving so yeah. unfortunately so real that close to touching the cup I did get a chance to see it later on which was nice but that was our Pat Maroon story so I always, oh, we always well, bring I it up I wish he was less of a dick. I mean, he sounds like me playing ball hockey. I get way too fired up. I always have to bring an extra stick because I end up breaking one. Yeah. So, but, <laughs> but, uh, but everybody said it's very nice outside. So maybe it was back in the day. It was like that. I was like the Edmonton days. And so maybe it was since then he's been real nice. I haven't had any runs with him since, since then. So could be the nicest guy in the world. He probably is honestly, that's from what I hear. So, uh, but that's always our little Pat Maroon story. I like to tell. So that's amazing. Yeah. I had a friend who I worked with um, when I was, building cabinets doing custom millwork before all this hockey podcast network stuff. And he, uh, he would skate with Rick Nash in the off season. That was like his childhood friend. And he was like, whenever Rick would show up to one of their drop-ins, like he's like, it was just stupid. Everyone would just like, everyone would just clear the sea whenever he had the puck. Cause it was like, no one's blocking that. And even the goalies like would flinch. Cause he's like, Oh no. Not oh, I would too. I mean, yeah, I mean <laughs> seeing, seeing Pat who was you know, obviously time he's, you know, still a pretty decent player just like rifling shots. I'm like, I can't imagine like, you know, somebody like Crosby or at the time, you know, whoever's the top player at the time, McKinnon or whoever rifling shots right at me right now. I'd be like, I wouldn't even see it probably. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, we'll get back to our previews here. So we have uh, about halfway through here. So Dallas stars, one of the oldest teams, not only in the central, but in the NHL, they went with the, the old school, I say St. Louis blues, Mike Keenan era. Uh, let's get all the veterans we can. And hopefully that works. Uh, they bring in uh, who, one of the guys I thought the Blues really ne- needed, but uh, not for this contract, Ryan Suter, uh, after the buyout of Minnesota, uh, unexpectedly. We'll talk about that. And Braden Holtby is their big addition as well. So they have a three-headed monster of goaltenders down there. So obviously Ben Bishop is still working his way back from multiple injuries. So they had to bring in Holtby as to kind of shore things up. Uh, and obviously Kadobin is still down there. So this being a very veteran team, if they stay healthy – I think these team can make some noise or am I, or am I off track here? No, dude, I think that they're the only other team that could snag that first spot on the central from the avalanche, in my opinion. Cause yeah, they're older, but you look at their young pieces there. They're like arguably elite. If you look at Rupe Hintz is knocking on that door. Heiskanen is unbelievable. Um, Klinberg is still a great puck moving. I know he's a little older now, but great puck moving defenseman. They have the three headed monster, whether Bishop, is healthy enough to play or not. Well, I mean, I have confidence in Hudobin and hopefully we'll see maybe in a backup, we can play some games, uh, not the same Braden Hopey who won the, the Stanley cup with Washington. And you look at their, their top six. I mean, yeah, again, aging players, but they all have scoring ability. And then you go down to their, their middle and they have some younger guys and or good depth guys. who just know how to play two way hockey. Who've been to the Stanley cup finals in recent years who know how to win um i mean looking past this year where they really have to start letting some people walk and reshaping reshaping the team to build around some of the young guys this is in my opinion one of the last years that this is still ben sagan radulov's team and they're gonna go for it and i, I have all the confidence that again if, if if they're healthy enough like if sagan can play at least half the year um you know what i mean and, and they all don't fall at the same time then i, I think this team is Again, they have the experience to win a Stanley Cup, 100%. So I'm interested to see how the uh, the Stars play. Yeah, so their team that I think is going to be the team you're not thinking about, that's all, all of a sudden like, wow, they're actually really good. Like you're expecting teams like obviously Colorado, 
Minnesota said, I think it was the, that team last year that surprised people that we didn't think how good they were going to turn out to be and wound up being very good. And then also uh, Winnipeg, obviously, I think it's going to come coming back to this, quote unquote, coming back to this division and, you know, being very good. So it's going to be a battle for sure. So a team that I think is on the, uh, I think they're finally on that downslide after all the years of being, you know, kind of had the blue, I say the blues uh, late 90s. Uh, right before they kind of hit their, I'd say maybe in the eighties thing where you're, you know, you're going to make the playoffs. You just know they're not going to go far and that's yeah. the Nashville predators. So they tried to get, obviously Pecorino retired. So this is officially UC Soros's team. They bring in David Riddick to be kind of their backup. Got some young guys, Philip Myers and Cody glass, you know, Ryan Ellis is out. Yarn croak was lost. Victor Arvidsson was surprisingly traded. I think he was their second best sniper on the team. Uh, but I think this is a team that's going to be near the bottom of the division, and they, they need more than a retool at this point. I think they're getting really close to the the rebuild phase of their uh, existence. Yeah, I mean, I, I always have a soft spot for the Predators personally. I just love I love what David Poyle has been able to do with that franchise, um, I mean, throughout their inception into the National Hockey League. Um, I think that on paper, they still look like a solid team. But the last two years, I've been burned looking at them on paper, thinking that they're actually going to do something. I mean, I can't stand Duchesne. I've never liked him. Even in Colorado, I thought he was overrated. Mm-hmm. Um, he's making way too much money and hampering, hampering that lineup, in, in my opinion. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, yeah, he still can play. They, they have pieces on every line. For me, I think UC Saros is one of the best goaltenders, hands down, in the entire NHL. I don't think he's getting enough loves. Uh, my friend was giving me flack yesterday. Oh, he got a... He got a nomination for the Vez and I was like, yeah, but he didn't win. And he probably should have because his, his, his numbers were that good last year. And he, the, the Predators had no business being even a little bit successful last year and, and getting the points that they did without him. So I really like UC Saros. I think he, you know, he could be the next Pecorine, obviously very different style. Uh, learning how to be a professional and, and to really own the net under that tutelage, I think is done so much for his development and um i i wish him the best this year and i hope that nashville um can turn the page and get back to uh get back to their competitiveness because i think that's one of the best markets in the nhl too yeah i hate the chance so i'll be honest i, I hate when they chant and stuff that's just annoys the <laughs> crap out of me so it always has obviously the catfish the- is legendary though have you the heard that legendary. story oh yeah the catfish thing is it's great i'll get like i'm all for team new especially new teams having some kind of traditions that they start or something that they kind of you know the fan base can latch on to and like make a thing like especially in, if they have something for vegas i'm, or, I'm pretty you know, sure i'm pretty sure it was the president or like one of the co-presidents who actually started that because they were trying to get butts in seats and they're having like a, a meeting or whatever and he's like naturally we were like drinking some jack daniels and like we all looked at each other and we're like oh no we can't throw a bottle of jack daniels on the ice that would just be insane <laughs> gary Batman would be pissed with glass everywhere so he looks out the window all drunk and he's like catfish catfish he's like detroit throws octopus we're throwing catfish and he was the first one who even though he was president or whatever high, high level role at that time went down into the seats as a fan snuck it in past security and he was the first one to throw a that's a ridiculous yeah so like i said i'm all for like having different uh like they always have that uh during the playoffs they have like, like a real beat up car they bring in and they paint yeah, it all whatever yeah, thing, smash and, they, and they smash it and they you know and then you get a chance to smash it. Then all that money goes to charity too, which I think is a very cool thing. So I'll say that much. So I like little stuff like that. So me too. Uh, like I said, they get flack for the banner thing. So we won't get into <laughs> that, but uh, 
I think they're going to be one of the bottom tier things and they're going to, they're going to have to work their way back in the prominence. Um, and I think they're going to have to go full on rebuilds pretty soon. I think, you know, definitely. So we'll see what happens though. A team that is coming back to the division. We just kind of talked about Winnipeg jets. So they kind of retooled their defense a little bit, getting Nate Schmidt from the Vancouver Canucks uh, signing Brennan Dillon and then bringing in Riley Nash, who was, on Columbus last year, hurt. And well, you technically with Toronto, but I don't think he even got to play a game in Toronto because he was hurt at the time. Uh, didn't make it back before they were out of the playoffs, unfortunately. But Riley Nash is there, and the player I kind of would be a good fit for them. Uh, they didn't lose too many guys, honestly. Just they lost like Trevor Lewis and Mason Appleton are the big names that I have written down. Uh, Vancouver got Poolman, but me a depth depth defender as well. Yeah, they got so definitely some uh, uh, depth guys. But I'm trying to think of. Uh, Oh, they also backup Rasant was the guy they lost to. Yeah, so he's, I mean, not, he's not that great. Yeah, but that's what I mean. <laughs> so he's a backup. So I think that's uh, he was re- definitely replaceable with somebody comparable or somebody who could be better potentially. Yeah, I think I think Comrie's going to be playing. Who's I mean, Bristol is a good backup. Don't get me wrong, Comrie. He, he's capable to take yeah. that position. I like Winnipeg. I mean, their defense was awful the last two years, and since it was des- since Myers, Truba, and Big Buff left that one summer, I mean, they it was hard for Shovel Dayoff and uh, Paul Maurice to. To win any games with that core, I, I absolutely love Hellebuck too on the back end. I think he's one of the best American, if not the best American goalie out there right now. Um, I, I I like the Winnipeg Jets. I see them making the playoffs. Um, I don't know if the defense is at that level that can take them to Lord Stanley yet, but it's definitely an improvement like you highlighted. And I just, I just am always going to bet on Blake Wheeler. I don't care if he's 40 years old. That guy is an absolute beast. And I just – I've always liked the, the the scoring power they have. I mean, Ehlers is an unbelievable player too. Um, yeah, I, I could go through their entire roster. Everyone, you know, everyone here who follows your podcast knows they're, they're a solid team. So I'm, I'm high on the Jets for sure. Yeah, Jets are good. But we did, I'll say this. We had our fantasy draft uh, last Saturday. So I had a chance to draft Connor Hellbuck three times in the second through fourth rounds. But I have this thing called uh, so we have football. So Jay Cutler. So Jay Cutler was one of those guys I always drafted, or one of our friend, our friend group. When we drafted, he'd always disappoint you. So we always get <laughs> pissed, and nobody would draft him anymore. So we made this thing called Cutler Island. So we have players <laughs> that you just never draft. So Connor Hellebuck's one of those guys after the Blue Stanley Cup uh, first round victory, and the just the way he talked after that, and he's just like, oh, that Jaden Schwartz goal was a lucky goal. I mean. Like everything was just lucky about them. Like it's just bad breaks for us. We did just fine. And I'm like, you you lost though. I don't know. Ever since then, I've been sour on him. So he's on my cutler. So I can't draft him just out of Fair principle. Enough. But, Fair enough. But but also, he's really good though. So I'm not like it's one of those things where I can't draft him. But I recognize that he's a very good goaltender too. So a guy that could lead them easily to one of the top positions in this division and make life a living hell for not only Blues fans but also Minnesota Wild fans. So before we get to the wild, I want to get your thoughts because we'll do our big blues breakdown. We talked about earlier, our big long, you know, hour, two hour preview we'll do uh, later this week. I want to get your thoughts on what you think of the St. Louis Blues team. So obviously a team that a little bit in flux, lost some big pieces this offseason. Vince Dunn, Jaden Schwartz, Mike Hoffman. Uh, they traded Sammy Boy and they picked up Pavel Bushnevitz, which I, I I'll talk. I'll steal trade in my opinion. I think Bushnevitz is unbelievable. But that's yeah, that, I think for that deal was amazing for us for a second pit round pick and Sammy Boy, <laughs> who has has moments where you like, oh man, this guy could be a definite top six guy, and then you don't hear about him for a little bit. So, uh, but also the signing Brandon Saad, I basically replaces your Jaden Schwartz. 
Um, and they wind up signing James Neal uh, after his PTO this week. Uh, and we had a, we're going to have a couple of rookies on the team this year. So it's going to be very interesting. Um, so, but the defense has not changed at all. And I think that's going to be our main talking point during our draft, but our talk, but what do you think of this team? And do you think this team has the potential to be a very good team in the central? I think they'll compete. Do I think they're going to be a really good team? I'm sorry for all your listeners. I don't know. I'm, I'm especially on the soda pod. I was the least high on the blues out of the, out of the group, not to say that they're a bad team. It's just this division. I think that Chicago can take it to them. I think Dallas could beat them. I think them, the predators will go kind of head to head. I think jets and them, uh, the jets, I still think have a little bit of the, of an edge there too. So I could see them being like Minnesota, like the Chicago, like the Chicago Blackhawks. I think they're on the the playoff cusp. I think they're going to compete, but I don't think they're in that upper echelon of the central division. That's no disrespect. You guys won your cup and it's, it's, it's inevitable that after you win a Stanley cup, even if you're still at the same level and, and competitive the year after, like it's, it's a down, it's a, it's downhill from there. I mean, even the Vancouver Canucks, I'll throw back to 2011. Like they didn't win the cup, but they won the president's trophy the next year, first round exit. And then it was just from there. So the blues haven't dove as, as quickly as the Canucks and they've done the right things and replacing guys who need to keep, you know, lines competitive and, and juices going, bringing in some young players. I like that. I mean, you have nothing to lose right now. Bring them into the mix. See if they gel. Like you don't have to take the Dallas route because the team is c- constructed a little bit different. Dallas still is getting their top production from their, their older players with the blues right now. I mean, yes, they are, but I think there's potential to bring in some young guys to try to fill in that void. So I think they'll compete. I don't think they're at the bottom, but I don't think they're at the top. I'd put them smack dab in the middle. Yeah, I think the team is going to be uh, like before. Take some time to gel because definitely you have some guys taking on some new roles. Your left side of your whole uh, forward line is completely different from first to basically fourth line is the only one that stayed the same. First through third lines are all different. So it's going to be interesting. They finally found a guy to plug in on the left side with O'Reilly and Perron. So that should be interesting. Um, Losing Vince Dunn. It stinks, uh, but a couple of the younger guys get a chance to step up now. So it's going to be interesting to see what they can do. I still don't like the defense, uh, especially if you lose one guy. It seems like it'd be all downhill, which kind of like, you know, many, maybe many defenses are like that, but it seems like if they lose Pareko, I think that's a big, yeah. big knock to the team for sure, which we saw what happened last year. So we'll see what happens with the Blues this year. But the main reason we decided to bring you on is talk about the Minnesota Wild. So the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I kind of have them as the um, bookends of the 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 uh, off season. They made a big splash at the beginning of the off season with the the buyouts of Parise and the unexpected buyout, in my opinion, of Ryan Suter. And then they finished it off with signing uh, Krill the Thrill to a big contract for a five year deal. So they kind of bookend their kind of summer and they got some stuff in the middle there, which we can talk about. But um, let's start at the beginning then. So what do you think about the buyouts and the potential plan by Bill Guerin here by buying out Parise and Suter, which obviously he did. He inherited those contracts from the last regime. Um, so this year, not the cap hits, not bad. I know next year is it, what's the dead money? Almost 14 million. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a lot of money dead next year. And obviously giving uh, three years, a pretty lot. much. Yeah. It's 14, yeah. 14. I think like 10 or something like that between yeah. the two of them. So it's, 
a lot of money eight and then it goes down to like six and yeah it goes down quite a bit like once you get by those three years but there's gonna be a while there they're gonna hopefully bank on some younger guys which they do have some younger guys so so let's talk about the buyouts first so obviously the parise one was kind of seen due to you know his diminishing role the last couple of years i mean obviously kind of being from a first line guy to in the last year was he like a third line he's a third line guy for Maybe a second line. He was honestly, man, he was scratched most of the time last year. He he fell off last year. Whereas the last the few years before, it was just like, okay, Prize, it's taking longer for him to get his feet under him. But like halfway through the season, he still was able to put up 20 goals and, and still be in his office right in front of the net picking up the garbage. Whereas this year it was like he didn't even have the legs to get in front of the net. And you know, the there are just other players that you know, quite frankly, played better than him. When he was arrested, he came into the playoffs to film for some injuries and he looked fine. I think he scored in his first game or got a couple points in his first game against Vegas. So that was, that was nice. But that was the contract that I wasn't surprised to see. As again, you mentioned it, Billy Garen, um, who's doing outstanding work with this team and is driven to win, which is what I love. Um, it was surprising because it's like, oh shoot, this is really going to affect the, the cap on a team that you're trying to turn the page on. What blew, what surprised me was Ryan Suter. It's just like you brought them in at the same time, you're sending them out. That, that's kind of funny. But, and I, and I say that just because Ryan Suter, in my opinion, was still more than serviceable. Like he's still a top four defender. I mean, he got a career high in points, uh, not last year, but the year before. And that, that was coming off, you know, his national days playing alongside Shea Weber, right? So this guy still knows how to move the puck, knows where to send the puck, plays a pretty good uh, two-way game. He doesn't battle as hard as he did uh, when he was younger against the boards. But what Billy Guerin was adamant on changing was the culture in the locker room. And for so long, it was Suter and Parise's, Parise's way or the highway. And younger players were, um, were, were not comfortable being themselves, you know? whether it's you know, wearing their somewhat flamboyant young person attire like Austin Matthews or whatever, right? There was a very much like, this is Parise and Suter's locker room and you have to abide by by their rules sort of thing. And Billy Gang, quite frankly, didn't like that. And he kind of, when he scratched Parise, like Parise and him had it out. Um, when he diminished Suter's minutes, Suter was not happy about it. Hell, when, they, <laughs> when Suter was bought out, he was not happy with uh, with management whereas Parise kind of was like I understand like there were trade talks with me the year prior I, I I get it so that's the main reason was the culture had to be changed according to Billy Guerin's eyes now this year where the cap hit or the dead money isn't as bad he's going for it. it I don't think they're a Stanley Cup team and they're still missing a lot of pieces to, to get there but but he's going for it and he expects them to at least compete this year and get past the first round and that's why he filled in some of the holes in that uh you know uh, Carson Soucy was selected to the Seattle Kraken Ryan Suter is gone so he brought in Goligoski to try to fill in you know that role which I think Goligoski is, is still a fine defender brought him in for one year uh to fill in that role before they can bring in some ELCs next year where they can't pay just established veterans to fill in some of those roles, which is why out of camp, I understood the likes of Matt Boldy's injured now, but he was going back down. Marco Rossi is going back down. Uh, Kalen Addison is going back down to play and probably the most stacked AHL team in the league right now, the Iowa wild. And instead they're going with, you know, some of the veterans they have. And, uh, and the, the one young guy who's actually going to be on the team is more of a depth piece, but very, very quick um, and understands the game in, in Brandon Duham. So a lot of Minnesota Wild fans, and I think the 
NHL fans and, and people who follow the, the league as a whole probably thought that like, Hey, why isn't Marco Rossi going to be your top center? Well, the guy just came off probably like the worst recovery of, of COVID-19 as a professional athlete. I mean, the crazy ass heart heart conditions um, that you know, pretty much left him on the couch most of last year. So I'm not surprised he has to get his strides in, in the American league. And I think it's smart that Billy Guerin is keeping as many contracts down there as he can for now. And then next year being like the, the spot is yours to lose. And probably that's kind of seemed like the uh, after seeing the amount of dead money, you kind of thought that when you figured it definitely Rossi and Boldy are definitely your probably guys say your two top guys uh, that people talk about the most. So definitely their centers. You lost Bonino, who was definitely a solid center, not a top center anymore, but definitely a solid center. So the center position was always a concern there. Oh, it still is. We got Victor Ask one more year. Yeah, one more year. So we'll see how yeah, that uh, that works out. But um, obviously, Kaprizov is a guy who's come in and done uh, tremendous. I mean, obviously, people can say what they want about being an older rookie, but you came into a league and scored a ton of points um, and, you know, obviously made a name for himself very quickly uh, and helped Minnesota kind of ascend faster than expected. I think everybody thought Minnesota was a good team on the rise and maybe they'll get there soon. I think with him and everything that came together last year, they became a powerhouse, which Obviously, I was really thought there was a very good shot of them upsetting uh, Vegas in the first round, you know, obviously moving past them. They were close. They were close. So it was a really close year compared to the Blues, where I thought it'd be a little closer, and it was not. So the Blues got stomped by Colorado. We couldn't help you there, but uh, but you guys made it very close, which I think is a very good building block for this Minnesota Wild team that is looking to get, I say back to relevancy, but I think back to the Stanley Cup um, path. And I think having that uh, goaltending wise, let's talk about that. So you kind of have Cam Talbot and uh, help me out the last, the, the other goal here. So I'm, uh, I'm Capo, very Capo Kakanen. Okay. I, I'm, I'm really awful with names. So that's my thing. <laughs> I usually mess names up quite a bit. It seemed like he, it was kind of a different story there. Last year, Kakanen had a the um, really good start of the year. And then he kind of slid off and Talbot kind of, you know, picked up the slack as a veteran does and does very well. So going to the season, is it going to be kind of a 1A, 1B situation again, or do you see one or the other taking the uh, reins and being the quote-unquote starter? Yeah, I think it's going to be 1A, 1B until Talbot's contract's up, and I think that's the plan. I think Kakanen's buying in too, and, and it doesn't surprise me that Kakanen had a great start and then fell off a little bit. He's, he's used to playing in the AHL, right? It's, it's a different game there and probably came out with like a ton of confidence and, and drive and then realized like, Oh, sh- Oh shoot. This is, these guys shoot a lot uh, more precise, a lot harder in this league. And it, it takes just a toll on the body. So I think him getting used to being the starter and playing a little bit more games, like they're going it, to, it's a one A and one B, but they are still going to have a pretty close split. Like I can't imagine Kakanen playing or Talbot playing even like 10, 15 games more. Like it's going to be like a, it, it's going to be a pretty close split, but it's also going to be tactical. Now Camp Talbot was brought in because his style of play works really well with Minnesota's defensive system. Now it changed a little bit without Ryan Suter and, and Carson Soucy, but I think for the most part, Dean Edison's going to keep it pretty similar. And that's where Talbot thrives in that more defensive first system where he doesn't have to take chances, like based on how the defensemen move and facilitate where the offense uh, offensive players are, are moving the puck. He can read the play and rely on that a lot. Kind of like what Devin Dubnik did when he was at his peak in Minnesota as well, uh, where Kapanen is still a very raw talent. 
Um, but I think he's just getting used to that style and playing, you know, under a Talbot and learning how to be a pro at the NHL level. So I think that this is a still one of the, be- one of the better tandems in, in the NHL. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see uh, Kapokakinen's uh, progression. And I don't think Cam Talbot's going to regress at all. It'll be an interesting uh, season for the Minnesota Wild to see if they can prove they weren't a one-year fluke. I think it's definitely a kind of how the Blues were after their cup win. And I think they are cruising. And then obviously COVID hit, and that's something we still don't know what happened. The COVID hit the Blues, and then the Blues didn't even technically one of the few teams that didn't even get like a COVID case required. They're the last team to have a COVID related, uh, you know, thing like illness basically. And for some reason they just haven't been able to get that form back yet. And we really don't know what happened, and there's really no reason behind it. So it's interesting. Hopefully, uh, Minnesota can, you know, keep up the, uh, you know, momentum yeah so hey man everybody talks about Kirill Kaprizov no one talks about Kevin Fiala who in my opinion is more talented not more of a complete player but I mean this guy is he's got some of the best hands in the league and if he can if he can get it together consistently and be like you know put up a point per game or like if he puts up three points in one game not take it like five games off before he puts up you know another like three goal night like this guy's got all the tools to succeed it just sucks so much that he doesn't have a center because he's stuck having to facilitate play, which he's good at. Don't get me wrong, but that's not his game. So I really hope they can address center at least going into next season. Cause he only signed a one year deal this off season. And if they want to keep Kevin Fiala, they got to show him that like, we're going to give you some tools to succeed because right now he's playing with Freddie Goudreau, or Frederick Goudreau as a center. And that's just ridiculous. Yeah. So he's definitely one of those guys that, uh, Really good trade that worked out for you guys. Obviously, the Granlin deal worked out really, really well. So I think Fayal is a guy that hopefully, uh, you know, I always, for a Blues fan, I really liked because he's just a guy that was fast, tenacious on the puck, and then quote-unquote play Blues hockey, I guess you could say. Uh, I've always liked him, so we'll see uh, what progresses this year because obviously Kaprizov got his deal. So hopefully Fial sees that. Hopefully he get his too because that would be a very good combination for the uh, Wild going into the future for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, because obviously the Blues and Wild have a date on January 1st. They get to be in the Winter Classic this year. So that'll be a very uh, fun thing. So my uh, co-host, I, Chris, will be at the event officially. So nice. that'll be uh, fun. So we'll be able to report from there. Um, so I'll get your opinion. So what do you think of the Minnesota Wild jersey for um, the Winter Classic? I knew you were going to ask that. First right. of all, I want to say that the Blues jerseys uh, are my favorite jerseys in the NHL. I, I'm, I'm a Blues guitar player. So whenever I look at that logo, I'm like, mm, love it. I think your guys' jerseys are outstanding. The Wilds, they got a lot of flack. And to be honest, I, I like them. I love the old school hockey jerseys. Not just NHL, just old school jerseys, whether it's college, whether it's like 20s. Uh, professional hockey. And I, and I really think of the wild though. I don't, I don't know why, cause they have other throwback options. They went with that style. I understand it. And I, and I respect it. I think they went a little too far putting that line, like above the, the writing on yeah, the crest. Take, take the line away. And I think I, I would love it like so much more if it didn't have a line. You took the words right out of my mouth. Exactly. That small detail I think make would make a huge amount of difference. I love the, like the elbow patches and, and mm-hmm. things like that. Like, I, I think it's a really cool classic Jersey, which was, the point of this exercise um, to a new school millennial audience, you know, I can understand why they gave it flack, but I'm an old school Canadian hockey fan. Right. So I looked at it and I went little couple little changes, but, but I dig it. And I think it's going to look great on TV and the, Oh man, those blues ones are just unbelievable. Yeah. I think uh, now some people were disappointed in the blue side. 
I think after see, uh, hearing about him, the rumor was going around that they're just basically kind of a flip of the 2017 jersey. Basically, they made the cream instead of uh, white, basically, and, and, you know, the blue. They basically flipped it out, which I'm fine with, and I thought was fine. I think seeing the whole kind of kit together, seeing everybody's, like, the whole yeah. thing together makes it look so much better. And like I said, the, the Minnesota ones, I have like I I'm fine. My co-host Chris, he loves it. He loves it. He bought one already. Oh, really? So he's a he's a he's he's a big jersey collector. He has very, I think he's officially now he has one of at least one of every team in NHL. He has one jersey of every team. Ooh. Does, he go the junior, does he go the junior route at all? We do have, we, we do have, I know he has one because we each got the same one. We did get the I think it was the was it the 10-year anniversary. I think the 10-year anniversary of the Calgary Hitman. Not oh, dude, that's crazy. That was the first team I ever bought season tickets to when I lived in Calgary right after high school. Was the Hitman? I love that that jersey. Yeah, we're both uh, both big uh, wrestling fans, so like obviously, so that's, that's obviously Bret Hart and the thing on the front, yeah. and obviously that's always a uh, that's cool, I, that's, man. that's the only junior jersey I have. I have a lot of different, uh, mostly blues, but I have a couple different. I have an old school Jets jersey that Chris gave me. Nice, but he has yeah. one of uh, virtually every team in some. A uh, couple other teams. I think one, one or two juniors. I think the other and uh, like California Golden Seals. He has. Oh yeah. He also has the uh, the uh, Rain City Bitch Pigeons uh, yes. jersey. Yes, so, that's awesome. So, so yeah. So hey, tell him, and he's probably listening. Uh, Victoria Salsa, the old BCHL. Check that out. It's gorgeous. Okay. I'll definitely uh, check that out. I'll send that to him after we get done here. So I yeah. have one too. I found it at a, a thrift store. If that nice. You know, if that's a good uh, <laughs> preface for, <laughs> for what uh, it's so, going to look like. <laughs> oh, it was fine. Yeah, so there's some of the, sometimes those jerseys, like you just find you know, those old school jerseys are like some of the sweet. There's one blues jersey that we cannot find. They only wore for two seasons. Um, it actually said where blues on it and kind of like an arch, and it had the blue note on it too. It was like they said the word blues on it and then the blue note. Then they got rid of the word blues and just with the oh, note okay. after that. They wore for two seasons in the mid-'80s. And it legit is the hardest jersey to find. Like, if you find it, like, people um, have found it randomly at thrift stores and stuff. So that's sometimes there's, like, a couple by my house. I just stop in there once in a while yeah. and just double check. It is not even in my size because I have an old school 80s, uh, like, the old polyester jerseys. Nice. Like, so I have, like, the blues one of that. And it's to a point where obviously not fitting me because that's when I was younger. But, like, my <laughs> daughter wears it now. She wore it today for jersey day at her school, actually. So. Sweet. So she wore that and she was like, oh, she's like, I was the only one wearing a retro jersey today. Everybody else was wearing the new jerseys. I'm like, I'm like, yes, I know you're, I know. So that's the one that fits you right now, kid. Cause yeah. <laughs> so you can do that one, but she, uh, she loves that jersey though. So, oh, so let's get into our final thing here, our yeah. final predictions for the central. So, uh, which, I mean, you can say your top four teams. And if you think any of the wildcard teams are going to come from here, um, I think there's potential for, there's potential for six teams, depending on how the Pacific goes to have have all your your even your two wild cards come from the central but yeah i mean the wild cards in my opinion they're either coming from the metro or the central that's yeah. my opinion yeah so what's uh so who is your let's just say your top four teams for sure any or you can do an order if you want or just your top four teams yeah, i'll do order i think avs number one i had stars number two um jets number three and wild number four that, that those are my picks and then again the Jets, Wild, Preds, Chicago—they're um, all—they're all, they're all they could all battle for that that fourth spot, in my opinion. But I gotta throw the Wild in there. Yeah, so it's gonna be a, Central is probably the if you look up and down, very one of the toughest. I think it's a lot of there's a lot of like I think the Pacific has your top two teams, and after that, it's kind of like whatever. 
you know, then you kind of have uh, over in the Atlantic, I think it's a, like a couple of really good teams. And then a couple of, after that's like potential teams. And then the Metro is like kind of stacked. So except for a couple of teams at the bottom. So it's very interesting on how things are set up in all of the divisions this year. So it's going to be an interesting year for the central. So uh, before we uh, get out of here, uh, obviously I talked about our big blues preview show that'll be coming up. So they'll be paid looking for that real soon. But before I get into all my little uh, spiel about everything about the, our podcast, I want Isha to go over everything about the soda pod and where you can find it. Uh, anything you want to talk about the show, uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, man. Thank you. And again, thanks for bringing me on the show. Really appreciate it. Next time I'll sound better. I promise. Um, <laughs> I'm at home today, not in my studio, but uh, yeah, soda pod, big things coming with the soda pod this summer. We, uh, we worked on expanding the brand a little bit. My co-host, uh, the state of hoppy. Um, we basically expanded it to be a like five day, you know, a weekday show. So if you subscribe to the soda pod feed Mondays, we talk, generally Minnesota wild Tuesdays, we brought in a new host to talk all things prospects. He's a prospect guru anyways, at spoke Z on, uh, on Twitter. He, yeah, he, he knows all prospects, all levels, all NHL, but for some reason, he just really, really likes the wild and always has, uh, despite, you know, being born in Massachusetts. So we brought him on every Tuesday to talk, uh, prospects on the, the new show on our feed Judd's buds. Wednesdays, we have a very heavy NHL talk. Thursdays, we have a new show called The Brewery Travel. So if you're into craft beer, uh, Joel Geyer, the brewery travel blogger himself, basically pulls back the curtain on all the destinations that he goes to. His uh, wife's a traveling nurse, so he only stays in a, a place for only like three months and just soaks in the, the craft beer culture when he's there and blogs about it. Now he has a podcast. And then Fridays, our newest show, MNCAA, which as you could probably guess, all college hockey talk within the great state of Minnesota, but our college hockey contributors, we have one covering every team, every college team in Minnesota, but they're all college hockey buffs. So a lot of just all USA college hockey every Friday. So every weekday, the soda pod has unique content, whether it's about the wild NHL prospects, wild prospects, <laughs> craft beer and, uh, and college hockey. So if you, if you like any of those, we have something for you five days a week on the soda pod. Nice. So very, so a wide gamut there. So definitely check you guys out for virtually anything. So it looks like that's a, uh, it's always a fun time. And uh, I've gotten a chance to listen to some of your shows and just a little bit of everything across the board. So it's very cool. So I really uh, appreciate you coming on this show. So uh, we'll get into my little spiel here. Well, let's do this real quick before I get into my long spiel. Where can we find everything about the soda pod? Yeah. Soda pod on Twitter at the soda pod. Uh, you on next. So, same thing, the soda pod. And then we're pretty active on Facebook too. If, if any of you are in Facebook groups or Facebook users, you can give us a follow at the soda pod. Really interactive on Twitter. Um, we share a lot of our content, video clips and teasers on Facebook and YouTube is going to be, it's going to be its whole thing from Hoppy and I going and talking to people at breweries from live vlogs at games, um, really highly produced content of either brewery travels or, or hockey road trips and and of course highlights from the podcast and, and, and relevant content so at the soda pod on any channel other than instagram and tiktok because we're quite frankly too old for that <laughs> i got you so uh so yeah so we'll get into our, our spiel now so if you want to find the blues hockey podcast on twitter it's at blues hockey nhl once also we are on facebook and instagram and that is at blues hockey podcast 
Also, you can find everything you need to know about the Blues Hockey Podcast on our website. It's blueshockeypodcast.net. Also, blueshockeypodcast.com, either or will get you to the same spot. You can find a variety of things there. One, where you can find the podcast, and that is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Amazon Music, Audible, Pocket Cast, and a bunch more, Google Play. Uh, anywhere you can literally find a podcast app, anything that's out there, the feed is there. So I have it literally out to the world. We are spreading it all over the world. No matter where it's at, you can find the podcast. So um, download it there. If you also on our website, you have our merchandise tab where we have a variety of our different t-shirts. Click on that. That helps us, you know, get a little bit of money back into the podcast, help us keep things going around here and get some uh, working on the new equipment and getting some traveling equipment. Uh, so we'll be doing stuff a little bit more on the road instead of kind of in the studio and via the internets. So, uh, and also the last one is our sponsors tab. So there's three different sections, three different spot podcasts, I guess, sponsors we have right now. So one is the uh, Rockstar Taco Shack. So Will and our, Will is one of our good friends and we are doing a big shindig at his new place, the Gaslight Lounge down off it's at 4916 Shaw Avenue on October 23rd, which is the blues home opener. So we're at a big home blues home opener watch party. Uh, please come down and visit be specials, giveaways, a live uh, podcast recording, a little bit of everything going on that night. So please come down and join us and support the rockstar taco shack. Also look for lucky Lola's. So lucky Lola's has a variety of things. They have their, uh, with their salmon rub, they have some, uh, uh, jalapeno sweet heat which uh, is really nice uh, to put uh, for dipping and finally their uh, brat wurst which are excellent so you can find those at Kenrick's Meats and also fresh time stores around the St. Louis area and last but not least as each of well knows are as the is DraftKings so obviously DraftKings uh, everything is getting started up right now so obviously football is already going so football is well anything Chris won some money. Our friend Chris is a big uh, Buffalo Bills fan, and he put some money, and he went to the game uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. I got home very late that night because uh, that's about a three-and-a-half, four-hour drive for him uh, with the rain. Uh, so, but he he was very happy to be there. And with the big win, he also bet, used DraftKings, used his little bonus, the code THPN, and guess what? He won big. So – betting on the Buffalo Bills to win, and I believe also covering the spread on top of that. So even better for him, he won a bunch of money. So go to DraftKings.com, create an account, use the code THPN for a bonus. But also, if you already have an account, put that in, and you also get a bonus as well. So there's a ton of different things you can do. Just keep going to DraftKings. Hockey is started up. Let's see, we're about an hour into hockey so far. I think the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Tampa Bay Lightning have just started. It's about 745 Central Time. So they're already rolling. Blues start this week. Minnesota starts this week. Get things going. Put your bets down at DraftKings.com. So we'll wrap it up and, there. So and you know Pittsburgh's going to lose their first game. So I mean, just yeah. go nuts with Tampa. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> go. They have nobody. I they uh, have man, nobody. <laughs> they have nobody. I managed to uh, in my fantasy draft. Everybody forgot about a Venny Malkin for some reason, and I was able to pick him up off waivers today. I just stashed him on IR. So, uh, yeah, so they have nobody. So, luckily, I was able to do that. So, Tampa would have been a real good pick tonight if you're going to go to DraftKings. But uh, probably too late for that, obviously. So, remember that in the future. So, we're going to wrap it up there. And, uh, like I said, big shows this week. But, once again, thanks, Isha, for coming on the show, talking some Minnesota Wild, talking some Soda Pod, talking 
uh, a little bit about the blues as well. So uh, look forward to seeing you in the future and uh, hopefully have you on again, uh, talk some Minnesota hockey closer to the winter classic. Yeah, man. Likewise. Um, and we'll bring you on uh, the soda pod to uh, before the winter leading up to the winter classic. As well. uh, appreciate it, man. We'll, uh, we'll All right. Thanks again. We'll talk to you guys. Soon.